Hey, this is Randy, and you're listening to Leave the Bottle Podcast. We're at leavethebottlepodcast.com. And I'm James Barriford. And I'm Ayub Koti. You can also hear us at stitcher.com or go to iTunes. Ayub, welcome to the uh, to this podcast. Uh, you and I have shared hangout space with uh, Maria Kiban, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't even know. She does a terrific... I wanted to mention it, too. She does a hangout at 8.30 a.m. Pacific time, which is a good time for us to, to an extent here in Europe, but it's a weird time for most of the people in the United States. Uh, where she has all kinds of stars on and people from TV. and She is just a doll, by the way, isn't she? She's such a sweet person. She's amazing. She's uh, uh, Sometimes I don't know how she has the patience to deal with all of the stuff that she does, but yeah, she is fantastic. Absolutely. And that's how we know each other. Uh, James could not get up that early. He's an early riser, but it's awfully early. Let's see, 8.30 a.m. Uh, East Coast. Wait a minute, it's later there. No, no, no. You, Wait yeah. a minute. No, you're working. I'm, I'm, I'm already at work at that point. That's it. That's why you can't That's why <laughs> yes. you can't mingle with the stars of Glee and such. Well, I know. Well, somebody's <laughs> got to do it. Somebody's got to work for a living. I mean, you know, or, or, or attempt at working anyways. Um, getting back to one thing from yesterday from Giselle, I didn't realize till afterwards when I was listening to the podcast that she was actually an hour behind me. So it's like we had her up at an ungodly awful early hour yesterday morning and I'm sorry, Giselle. Not really, but I'm kind of sorry. <laughs> this is the podcast that either gets women out of bed or leaves them in bed. Yes, we, uh, yes. So, you know, deal it, with it. I, hey, you guys know what today is, don't you? I don't. It's the Ides of March. Oh yeah, I did know that. It is. It yes. is indeed. At two, Brutus. So should we beware? Uh, we, well, we should always beware. I mean, that, just today a little bit more so, I suppose. <laughs> so, I mean, just to throwing out there a little bit of political stuff. Oh, that's really uh, up-to-date politics <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, but they knew what to do back then. If they didn't like each other, if they didn't like each other, they just killed each other. I mean, you know, they they didn't go on and you know and have quorums over and over again. They, yeah, yeah. I don't like your politics here. You know, I'm going to take you out, and that's all there is to it. Now, you know, now they just do it in sound bites instead. It's, it was, I think, it was more fun in the old days. I came to bury Caesar, not to praise him, or is it the opposite? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Let's. Uh, oh, God. I well, like, where's Wikipedia? Where's we, Wikipedia? <laughs> Wikislesia, I call that, and I'll tell you about oh, that some other time. You're, oh, you're like my wife. You don't yeah, like Wikipedia. It's, it's believe me. You know what? I just all right, all right. You you asked for it. I just looked up a friend of mine, a guy I grew up with in high school, who's a famous producer. In fact, he was a, mostly the producer for Prince. Uh, Ayub, uh, I think you like Prince, yep. and uh, my best friend I from am high a school. Friend, yes, yeah, and my best friend from high school discovered Prince and signed his first contract. And this other friend of mine, who's a musician, David Z, was Prince's producer for years. So imagine my surprise. We're contemporaries, plus or minus a year. So imagine my surprise when I saw four years cut off his birth date. <laughs> uh, Wikislesia uh, is Wikislesia, <laughs> folks. It's available. Anybody can go in there and edit and do what they want, including the person who they're talking about in the article. Like I could have written my entire article. Anyway, what I wanted to get to before we even talk about the serious stuff is um, getting a little bit more about AU because I hardly know you. I mean, we've been in a couple of hangouts, but I know you write. What, how would you introduce yourself? I um I'm primarily a fiction writer. I write fiction 
as my main passion, but I also work in technology. I do photography. I, I'm a voice actor as well. And yeah, I tend to grasp onto many different projects of varying different types and do pretty much whatever comes into my head. That's a good description. Well, it's, it's obviously it's obviously working for you, at least on social media, because I, I looked up how many people are following you on, on social media, and it's an incredibly high number. I was having pangs of jealousy, I have to admit, when I saw how many people hang on your posts and... But it's but but all kidding aside, there's a good reason for that because you'll throw out like the question of the day, and you'll throw out all these little interesting things instead of just like sharing inane memes over and over again like everybody else. You put out stuff that you're asking people to interact back and forth with you on. Would that be a fair a fair assessment? Yeah, for me, and while it's become a bit of a cliche now, for me, the conversation is everything. I've um, I grew up in social networking on a site called Live Journal, which uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. It was oh, yeah. um, a social blogging site that was created by a guy who now works for Google, and the the social elements of that site were all about the conversation. It was all about discussing and talking to each other and getting to know each other. The, I mean, it was the first, one of the first ones of its kind that it actually had threaded conversations rather than with a simple, you know, you have to plus mention or whatever, somebody to get there um, to make sure you, they knew that you were talking to them. And the threaded conversations was something I really loved about it, and I hope it comes to more um, social networks. But um, the conversation is what attracted me to social media in general, and I stick to Confessing. Refreshing because, and I'm not, I'm a social media fanatic as well. I've been doing it for many years, but there are times when I get very tired of it because it's the same thing over and over again. It's the same sharing of the same memes, the same photos that have been retouched um, with, you know, these big, beautiful colors that are completely fake. And you'll see that people are sharing the hell out of those. And it gets frustrating because it's like, well, what happened to the conversation? What happened to say what we're doing or here right now? but within the context of text, text-based communication. And it just seems like we're going to the visual over the text. And I'm not opposed to some visual, but it just seems like it's even like the other day, I got my Facebook uh, timeline updated. Now they're using big, lovely pictures mm -hmm. too, like Google+. Plus. Twitter is changing theirs as well. We're going to that now, and it's. I'm seeing less and less people, frankly, on social media that are doing what you're doing, and I'm seeing a lot of people who are doing it the really lazy way, and the really, to me, the way that doesn't speak to people. Um, so I, I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, because that's like I wanted to tell you that I appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you. Um... I think there are still quite a few people who focus on the conversation. Uh, there are quite a few people who focus on talking to people and making sure that uh, um, that aspect of social networking doesn't die. The main issue, as as I see it, is 
is the um, the feeling that you're keeping score. The amount of people who follow you, interact with you, circle you is somehow a score. And the way to get more people to see your posts and the way to get more people to have the time to look through what you're posting is to put a picture in and not much text because a picture can be processed by the brain a hell of a lot quicker than a large block of text. And with people following more and more people every day, the um, the time you need to get, get through your stream means that you have less time per post. And that's pretty much the success of pictures in posts. I, I think there's a question that needs to be po- asked here, which is, what exactly is the purpose of all this? Uh, let me explain my, uh, my own philosophy, and then we can go from there. And I'm not saying mine is right. There is no right. There is no wrong, obviously. But um, I, first of all, I write music, and I try to post it once in a while. But I'm not selling the music. So that's not all I do. And there's, you know, the music, if I post it, it's got a player, and you listen to it. It isn't Google play store where you go buy it or you can listen to it as much as you want in most cases you can download it um but what i like to do a lot of people do curation okay but like sturgeon's law 80 90 percent of the people who do curation do it very poorly so they're passing along stuff that circulated on Facebook three years ago, probably, or stuff that we've all seen. It depends on what time zone. By the way, AU, you and I being in an early time zone, you know, there's no chance that we're not going to see anything uh, hot five or ten times a day. So that gets, you know, really old fast, too. I try to do curation for things that I think people haven't seen yet. Um, for example, I look a lot, I, I do a lot in tech and, and particularly in VoIP, in voice over IP. And um, whenever I'm looking in tech, I look at, for example, Ars Technica, which is a great site, and all the other, and Gadget and all those things. But I know that a million people have already seen those links, so I don't generally share those links. I have, uh, when I find sites that are like these wacky little sites, who, by the way, are very bad about having images, so they, they don't do a good job, but they have interesting information, that's the kind of stuff I try to share. So I try Try to share stuff that hasn't been overshared. I mean, except that there's something that I think is so hilarious and I hadn't, I haven't seen it before. And I mean, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but the other thing is uh, trying to do my own content. And regardless of whether it's any good or not, at least it's my content. So chances are you haven't seen it before. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jim, what is your philosophy? Because you don't seem to share all this Facebook meme stuff either much. No, and, and, no, I really, I try to stay away from that. And every once in a while, just as like my own little social experiment, I will. And then every time that I do it, I get pissed off. And I get pissed off because it reconfirms what I pretty much assumed going into it. And then I'm like, well, why are you doing this to yourself? How is it going to be any different now than it was six months ago when you shared something deliberately provocative just to see what would happen? What's different (laughs) than a year ago? And it's always the same result in the end. And then I get all pissed off and my wife will be like, well, what did you expect? Yeah. And she, you know, she's right. People are people and we all use technology and we all use social media for our own purposes. For me, I don't know about you guys where you get a lot of your news at this point, 
but I mainly use my Twitter feeds and I'll have several lists for, you know, breaking news for political writers uh, and the news and like keeping up with, say, the Malaysian airliner this week. Mainly I'm on Twitter constantly, like I usually use uh, Hootsuite and I'll have my different lists right in there. Uh, what do you guys use for, for, say, news, breaking news kind of thing? Well, I use a couple of things. Um, one is a fairly new app that's in beta at the moment uh, called Scredible. I use that a lot for targeted news, like technology news or anything like that, that I am uh, interested in. For everything else, for discovery of news, I use the um, BBC News app on my phone because that also gives me notifications for when something major has happened. And they're usually pretty quick and pretty accurate about it. Rather than listening to rumors and conjecture on social media, I, I like to get uh, something that, uh, that may actually be verified. I usually use, uh, I would say for, as far as news organizations, BBC and Al Jazeera English are probably my two biggest sources. Uh, I try to avoid most U.S. news outlets at this point, if it comes to that. I, I find that, you know, they're, they're the sensationalizing of it as opposed to fact-finding and strong, real opinion. Yeah. It's just, it's lacking it when, when you put them up to the BBC or Al Jazeera English. Al Jazeera America as well, but... Um, you know, a lot of people here in America, the instant you say Al Jazeera, they don't want, it becomes, they don't want to hear another word about it. You, you're with us or you're against us. And it's As far as I know, Al Jazeera was set up by the BBC, and that's why they have an excellent news structure. Um, English, anyway, well, right? I, I'm not sure about that, to be honest. I don't know if um, they were set up or invested in any way. I really doubt it. Um, but yeah, the thing that is, that always comes to mind when I just, when I talk about, uh, news agencies and news sites and news channels is, uh, an old TV show called studio 60 on the sunset strip. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a small segment in there where, um, the history of news on television was discussed, especially in the United States. And back when, back when the, FCC started giving out uh, uh, television uh, broadcast licenses. Um, the license was given on the uh, um, w w with the uh, with the broadcaster having to put out a news report, a daily news report, which was usually the nightly news or the ten o'clock news or the nine o'clock news or whatever. The problem that happened afterwards was the explosion of channels and news going to its own separate channel that then became a profit center. Once news gets tied in with profits and advertising, then it's not the quality of the news, but how many eyeballs you get watching it. And at that point, news becomes more about entertainment than anything else. 100% and that true. has been the downfall of news. Yeah, it's been the downfall of news organizations around the world. I mean, I don't watch BBC News on television because on television, they have fallen into the same trap. They um, have, they sensationalize things. They want the eyeballs to be on them. That's why I just read it as opposed to anything else. And for me, news sources 
every single one of them has to be taken with a pinch of salt. If I want to find the truth about something, I'll read the extreme right about it and the extreme left about it and a couple of the middle of the ground papers and see where the truth lies. Speaking of truth, where's that Malaysian plane? That is the billion-dollar question at the moment. That the first thing I thought of as this um, as this thing has become more and more strange and mysterious is if this turns out to be a publicity stunt for a reboot of Lost, I'm going to kick somebody. That would be bad. Like, <laughs> it, I, it, it seems so sensational and so over the top that we're eight days in as we're recording this. We're eight days in. And like I said to my wife uh, this morning, if I had a relative on that on a plane that crashed, I could grieve. I could wallow. I could go through all the stages that we've all been through when we've lost loved ones. But this is just this is almost like a sick joke at this point what's being played on the loved ones, the friends of everybody who is involved in it because it seems like to me at this point that all week, all these different governments, whether it's Malaysia, China, Vietnam, the United States, they all probably know a little bit more than what they've been saying, but nobody wants to give up what they're using for radar, what they're using for technology. So they're trying to play almost like this game of chicken where I'll wait you out until you tell me what you think you might have. And now it's coming out that the Malaysian military radar probably does have them, in fact, going out over the Indian Ocean, going up to 45,000 feet, down to 23,000 feet, back up again. Now, this is just coming out, and we're eight days on. They had to have known very early, the Malaysians had to have known that their military radar was probably more than likely had that plane on their sights. Why didn't they say something earlier? There's, it seems to me like there, there's this huge game of chicken going on between many countries. It's fascinating, except for there's 239 people and by extension, thousands of loved ones and thousands of family members who are sitting here suffering right now because they don't know anything. But what you're um, saying is exactly yeah. what I detest about this whole idea of social media and news gathering, which is I don't care to hear anything until they know what happened. So, yeah, I mean, they've been talking for eight days, as you said. There may be someone who knows something, but maybe they have a good reason for not communicating what they know. Maybe there's negotiations going on. Maybe they're ready to, you know, they're mounting an attack. Maybe nobody knows. I don't know. But my main point is, why would I follow a story where they don't know what's going on? And I think this is, a, this is a sickness of today's society. Why not? Because you don't know. So you're just listening to conjecture. If you might as well go listen to Nancy Grace talking about some disappeared kid. That's all I'm saying. I do not care it's, to know stuff until they know it. Not. I don't want to get ideas of, of things going down and then find out it's not true. It's like watching Twitter and you see, that, oh, there's been 17 people have been killed, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly it becomes, oh, but it wasn't 17 people. It was seven and three of those. You know, I mean, enough of that. I don't want to know that. If, if I'm going to know something about the story... Tell me the story, you know, and, and I'll wait. I don't need to know yeah. right now, except if I was obviously had somebody well, on the plane. Well, you know, the problem is it's the mystery, the conjecture, the um, the lack of answers. It keeps eyeballs watching. It keeps people interested. Not mine. 
and um, and and that's what it is. It's the way the news cycle has 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 evolved over the years. It's just a complete and utter pain most of the time <laughs> because um, what I mean when you get down to it. And I had a chat with Tony McEwing on this. Uh, Tony McEwing, is, for those who don't know, is a newscaster on um, Fox 11 Los Angeles' Good Day LA. And he also joins the Hangouts with Maria Caban. Um, but he's been a newscaster for a very long time. I won't say how long, because he might kill me if he uh, <laughs> if I hint at his age. Um, but yes, he's... Uh, and we share a few opinions on, on why the news cycle, as it is now, is becoming unworkable. Let me just but mention. Let me just mention one quick thing, honestly, really quick, which is that when you say the word Fox, um, every Fox station isn't in the vibe of Fox News. Okay, that's something that people really need to know. It isn't. No. You know, yes. these are independent stations, and so Tony and Maria and those people. I don't. I've never watched the station because I'm not in Los Angeles. But it's important to understand that that when you say Fox News 11, uh, that doesn't mean that it's. Well, maybe it does mean Bill O'Reilly and all that, but the point is that the, these people that uh, Ayub just mentioned are not are not at all in that vibe, as far as I know. I would say quite the contrary. It is well, it is quite it is quite the contrary. Let me just clarify that, James. Um, Fox Eleven Los Angeles does LA News. They don't do the um, the network Fox News Channel. Uh, so the content is more up to the local um, affiliate as opposed to the network. Well, I'm going to go back to what Randy was saying a, a minute ago, and I'm going to strongly disagree that I'm not willing, if you want to be willing to sit back and wait for the official version, whatever official version of any event, and I'm not just talking about this Malaysian airliner, but official events in anything, knock yourself out. I'm not willing to. I am not willing to give governments that power. I'm not willing to give corporations that power and I'm not willing to give news organizations that power to not do their jobs or to think that we can just sit back like sheep while we wait for the, the sermon from the mount to come down from them about any particular subject. I'm not willing. And if that means conjecture, then conjecture away I'm going to because I think that sometimes these news organizations and especially governments, they have to have their feet held to the fire. But and I didn't say anything about official versions. I just said when the version comes out. So yeah, but whose version? And what's really in the end? What's official, anyways? And and you know your version. Well, of the some truth, asshole on Twitter is not. That's for sure. Yeah, but at the same time, some of those assholes on Twitter are I think, also writing for the London Times or the New York well, Times. Well, so I mean, that's, it's possible. But what I'm saying is, that it is the time element isn't important to me personally. And I think you know, if you want to follow it, it's like following a tennis match. Okay, but the truth that will eventually come out if you trust independent sources is not necessarily governmental. Yeah, I agree with you there, though. I'm not, you know, it's not that I'm waiting for the official version, the, what was the report from the Kennedy assassination? Is that really what happened? Who knows, you know? There oh, never well, was, yeah, yeah. you know, there never well, was an official, there never was well, a real resolution of that, so you can think what you want. But I certainly wouldn't want to sit there, well, we did sit there on TV and watch both assassinations, if you guys are old enough, uh, and you know, I saw it live. On, I saw Bobby's live on TV. 
I, I saw I saw Bobby's. I was old enough for Bobby's. I was an infant for uh, I was well. I was three when Kennedy was killed. Oh I was my three. God. So You're way younger than me. I didn't. Yeah, know I know. I was in high school. Yeah, but, yeah, but I'm also old enough for AARP. So um, all right. Yeah. Anyway, but, uh, I, that's my rant. Is that I I don't care, and that's my personal opinion. I mean, I just don't care. No, that's fine. And and I don't like to conjecture. Yes, I wonder what happened, and I think we'll find out sooner or later. And do I, would, do I think that the final version of the Jets destination? or the story will be perfectly true? Probably not. But when we find out something, there will be many versions of it. And then I'll decide what I liked, what I want to play. I would rather, I would rather, exactly. I would rather the three of us conjecture away on where Aliens. that plane is. You want me to conjecture? No, no, Aliens. No, I would, that, I would rather the average person give two seconds of thought about real matters in the world like that plane, like their local politics, like their government, what their government is doing or not doing with their citizens, then then be posting on Twitter spoilers for TV shows ad nauseum. And I'm no, not I don't do that. <laughs> I never pose the spoilers. It's easy. Let it's, me let you get in here. Go ahead. Well, Go ahead. Uh, just just, just a, a couple of points on this discussion. Uh, for me, um, I like official sources, or rather professional sources, uh, as opposed to, you know, man-on-the-street type sources, sources. So that's why, I, as I said earlier, I use the BBC News app to keep up to date with any news that isn't in the targeted areas that I search for usually. Um, but also... It has become increasingly difficult to get people to put a little bit of thought into what happens. There are a lot of people who do, don't get me wrong, there are a hell of a lot of people who do, but there are many more people who, because they surround themselves with the uh, with people of the same opinions of themselves as they hold, then um, they find themselves not just on the internet, but even in real life and um, offline life, they find themselves in a filter bubble. And all they do is talk about what they hear and everything they hear is amplified and repeated and amplified again until they really don't have to think because they don't have to consider an opposing viewpoint. Brilliant. And it was kind of, I mentioned yesterday in Giselle's um, about like-minded hanging with like-minded, discussing like-minded and how boring that is, is, you know, I can, I mean, I could, if I sat in a room where I was the only leftist and everybody was, the rest of them were Tea Party members, I'm sure within a short order, I would probably be losing my mind, but it would, at least it would be interesting and it would be fun as opposed to just continually hearing the same voices all the time sprouting the same things all the time now you hit on something even more important which is it isn't the opinions that matter i don't care what your opinion is or i don't care what bill o'reilly's opinion is what i care about is hey what's your solution to this problem you're seeing and you know what sorry to tell you guys this and i'm sure i'm you know this is not a big surprise maybe but the left has no answers and the right has no answers so i want to hear from people who have answers i don't care what side they come from let me hear let me hear something positive and by that i mean solution positive it doesn't have to not have anything negative in it like hey we're going to kill all the squirrels because they're eating you know the rabbits or something whatever the solution is i'd like to hear it and i'd like to have some creativity and some integrity and some thought and creativity behind i said creativity twice maybe anyway 
solutions, not opinions. Your opinions, yeah. I mean, I'm interested in everybody's opinions, but that's not my main focus. And, and I usually get really tired of all opinions and unfollow or whatever people. I don't read people who are constantly sprouting opinions because you know what? It's exactly what you just said, James. It's a bubble and they keep saying the same thing. I probably do too. So don't listen to my opinions. Well, it's funny because the other day, Randy posted something on Google Plus, and you can, you can tell through the thread that he was talking with somebody, but I couldn't see who that some that person was. You know, so I put two and two together very quickly, and I was like, oh, it's somebody who blocked me at some point. <laughs> it was actually very amusing because normally the reason I get blocked is, is because I'm a very opinionated left-wing asshole. Well, and I haven't blocked you yet, that, so... And that's okay. Well, you're in a, you're in a kind of an opinionated left-wing oh, asshole. Oh, too, oh so. you could have left out the <laughs> asshole part, but okay, I'll, I'll, take, I'll, I'll take on that manual, that mantle. That mantle. Okay, I'm, we have no answer on the plane. Go ahead, Ayu, but then I was going to go on to your other thing that you wanted to talk about. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I was raised by a very left-wing family um, in a very Labour Party household, in a very uh, politically aware household. I mean, my mom is and was a politician uh, and uh, and also a little bit of a freedom fighter because she uh, she grew up in apartheid South Africa and not being white, she was subject to some fairly strict uh, limits on what she could do. So yes, we had uh, we had a lot of that and a lot of stories about that growing up. And one of the people who became an inspiration to me in terms of not necessarily being um, being very successful as a politician, but showing other politicians how it should be done, as in how to discuss calmly, intelligently. And with enough background information and enough history put into their thought that they're, um, that it means that their opinion and what they're fighting for isn't just bought and paid for by whoever managed to get them the best gift or whatever. It's somebody who has actually sat down, thought, and formed their own opinions and are fighting for them. It's a gentleman called Tony Benn who died recently, uh, just a couple of days ago now um, in England. He was never one of the big leaders. He, the highest office he achieved was um, was a senior minister position within a Labour government. He also actually, he's one of his claim to fa- claims to fame was approving and supporting the building of Concorde, which was built as a joint project by British and French governments. And um, I just wanted to share a little quote from him that I I like to roll out every now and then. Um, What he said, which always strikes me as a good measure of democracy, is this. In the course of my life, I have developed five little democratic questions. If one meets a powerful person, ask them these five questions. What power have you got? Where did you get it from? In whose interests do you exercise it? To whom are you accountable? And how can we get rid of you? If you cannot get rid of the people who govern you, you do not live in a democratic system. That, to me, is the best definition of democracy I've ever heard. That is brilliant. I would love it. I'm going to have to uh, Google that to pull it up, and I want to keep that like in a file on the side because I'm a member of a union. I'm a extreme believer in the labor movement. 
And that was that just spoke to me, and I'm really happy that you just shared that. So you're going to be really happy with uh, um, when I when I tell you about the labor movement in France, which is extremely corrupt, gets a lot of money, and these guys live like kings, and they're not necessarily they pretend to have the interest of the workers. So you know, there's corruptions on every side of the coin. And uh, my question to you, Ayub, would be. I, I love that, uh, what you just, the quote was great. And I heard about Tony Ben because I used to listen to Radio 4 Longwave and uh, the World Service Longwave uh, when I first got here, which was in around the 80s, when you would be hearing Mr. Tony Ben said this and said that. Um, yes. But a, a really good question to you about getting rid of people is, what are we to do about people that we feel are not executing our will as a people? Now, we're living, I'm living in France, which is a democracy. I mean, people, lamos will talk about socialism. That has nothing to do with anything. There are free elections here. In the three countries we're talking about, the UK, I don't know much about the UK political system, but you do vote and you, it is a demo- democracy. The United States is nominally yes, is. a democracy, although one wonders with the gerrymandering and all the crap that goes on there that's a whole other thing so what are we to do what do you what would be your suggestions both of you on what we can do about either get, getting rid of people that are obviously not um, executing their mandate or making things better either way any what's the positive steps that we're going to be able to take to make something happen as single people in a huge uh, culture or groups if you will okay I'm grinning Okay, I'm grinning because I have thought about this. I'm sure you have as an intelligent human being. 10, 15, 20 years. Um, And the thing is, the technology is now getting to a place where it's possible, uh, where there is a, there is, providing it can be made secure enough, which is still the challenge, providing it can be made secure enough. I mean, people have the internet at their fingertips. They walk around on the street with, um, you know, one of these things that's connected to a network and um, they can reply, respond, vote, do whatever they want. And as long as the populace is informed, then it would be possible to not have a referendum be a huge thing. A referendum can then become a very simple thing to arrange. And that is where the power of the people lies. Maybe in England it's that way, but in the United States, it's not. At this point, and I I wish this was not the truth, but the truth as I see it is that democracy is virtually dead in America. When you have the Supreme Court ruling that a corporation is entitled to First Amendment protections, we're we're done. We are all done because what has happened now is that the corporate state is, is buying up the entire country and buying the people who are affected the most. And that's that's why I as not just because I'm in a union and because I believe deeply in labor, but because I see so many people there, the, the, the U.S. labor uh, membership now is at an all time low. It's I think down to 10 or 15 percent now of the workforce is, is in a union at this point, up from a high 50 years ago, 50 or 60 percent. And what's happening is there's this almost visceral hatred for anybody who's in a union now in America by people who are benefiting from the exact struggles that were made 70, 80 years ago and even longer. You have your, if you're off today, it's Saturday as we record this. If you're off today, thank a union. If you got vacation time, thank a union. 
If you've gotten a medical leave, thank a union. And at this point, all I ever hear, including from many close friends, is unions had their time and place. If and you just like, get, the, if you just got the, fired, thank a union. What the hell is that? Yeah. It's like, what the hell is they had a time and a place? People still need to eat. People still need to be able to have rights. Those are not specific to a certain decade or a certain century. And the moment you give up those rights to the corporate state, which is what's happening in America, we are done. And and it's dismaying to me to see the average person making thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. Who let me, um, James, James, let me just interrupt you there for a second because sure. what you said is very apropos to another quote from Tony Benn. Um, this is a a couple of little lines that he said. Um, I think there are two ways in which people are controlled. First of all, frighten people, and secondly, demoralize them. The people in debt become hopeless, and the hopeless people don't vote. An educated, healthy, and confident nation is harder to govern. Absolutely. Now, I have read a hell of a lot on the state of education in the U.S. and in the U.K. as it's uh, descended since my days in school. Um, the state of healthcare, the state of a populace being informed, as I mentioned earlier. And yeah, the number of people who you would meet on the street just walking through your local shopping mall who are actually fully informed as opposed to um, filter bubble informed of what's going on around them and what's going on politically around them is dwindling. Absolutely. Abs- but they don't teach uh, in school anymore what we called social studies back in the day. I don't know what they call it now, but they don't teach uh, uh, civics like it's civics. They don't teach all of that anymore. And we're paying a heavy price for it because people are not seeing why the person up the street matters in oh so many ways and and why organizations banding together can actually help keep the higher well, ups. It's also, Good. Yeah. I mean, it's also the amount of times – and I have actually sat down because of this, because I've heard this, uh, it's in the Constitution line from Americans uh, very, very frequently when they're talking what I consider to be absolute uh, – trash <laughs> i actually sat down and read the united states constitution because it was like okay this seems to be a very awesome yet very diverse document so let me read it and half the things that people tell me are in it aren't <clears throat> no no well and we that's had a, the, that's the problem well, well we actually had there was the other day there was a, a a texas congresswoman democrat so i'm not i'm not just laying blame on republicans here because there's a lot of blame to go around oh yeah but she, but she referred to the constitution as 400 years old and she has made other outlandish statements in the past but when you have that out there when you have an elected official making such an a, a stunning comment as that it shows and and yet her supporters i've since then have just overlooked it and said well you know it was a, a misspeak on her part it's like no it wasn't she fundamentally didn't know what she was talking about and that's become a huge problem because again people would rather watch dancing with the stars yeah <laughs> There, and you know what? I, 
Go ahead. There, well, there's, a, there's a couple of things about this discussion of democracy. Um, I mentioned uh, gerrymandering. I, I assume that term is familiar to you, Ayub, or do you not know what it is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so you know that currently there's a whole bunch of uh, movements. I don't even, I'm not even going to say Republicans, but I think it is all Republican, actually, uh, to uh, reduce the black vote to almost nothing in certain areas. Now, they can only do this in certain areas, by the way, because they have the power there. But, but let's just get one thing straight. If you think about this for a second, how did Obama even get elected twice if money was all you needed? So Obama was able to hire people, and he did the social media thing, and he did whatever he had to do to get that vibe going, and he did get elected. So there is a democratic process. But first of all, the people in the United States, half of them that didn't vote for him, want to, want to say, well, I don't care about your democratic ideas, uh, James and Randy. Uh, you know, you elected him, but I didn't, so get him out of the White House. You know what I mean? It's like they don't have any respect for what the majority, hello, these are the people now, remember. So this is a democracy, and yet the people who didn't win, again, quotes, uh, are telling us that our choice wasn't good enough for them. Of course, Obama has plenty of problems, and we there's no way we have enough time to get into all of that, the resistance that he has for what he was trying to do. But the point is, the fact that he got elected does defend, to an extent, the democracy. Now, the work where that were those people then? Where were those people in 2010? Where were all those well, young yeah, people? Who, because who they got discussed. It's, it's a very valid point. Yeah, they got disgusted. Where were they? They got disgusted. If they got that easily disgusted, then shame on them. We because agree. if you're 20 years old and you're 24 years old and you're going to take your ball and run and go home, well, you know what? Then you get what you get when you're 65 or 70 years old or, frankly, when Social Security is 80, the age is 80, because you sat on your hands and you let people make policy that was completely against what would benefit you in the long term because you didn't get everything in two years. Well, you hit the and nail on the head we got, and, and look what we got for it. We got the Tea Party in 2010 because of a bunch of little babies who didn't oh. get everything they wanted out of Obama <laughs> in two years. How did that happen? It, it's it's, it's yeah, just, what happened. It's very, very easy. It's 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 very very easy. They don't call it the ADD generation for nothing. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's probably very true. <laughs> I agree. Uh, and that is a highly politically incorrect statement. I know yeah. there are people who suffer from ADD, and it is a real thing. But there are also people who have had their attention span shortened by, in some ways, information overload. Good. I was just going to ask you that question. Uh, we're surrounded by all this stuff now, and it's way different. I mean, I'm I'm 66 now, so I grew up when television was you know one channel. I mean, I, I remember getting television. Okay, so and then this is not to say that I walked five miles to school because I didn't, by the way. But you the point. But but the point is, I didn't walk at all. <laughs> we had buses. But the point is that there's got to be a relationship here as well with this information glut coming in. We've got all these distractions. Not that they're bad. I mean, I use them all the time, all day. We all do, I, I think. But the point is yeah. that, first of all, when you're young, you're probably even more into that part of the distraction and not necessarily taking care of business. I mean, hey, I like to party. When I was in my 20s, I wanted to party. So that's one thing. But, but the other thing is this information overload is, number one, causing confusion, probably, because you're getting all these weird stories and you don't know what you're doing. You're following the plane crash where there's no information, but they keep you holding on for eight days. Okay, that is called... Um, spinning your wheels, kind of, as far as the brain goes, because we don't know anything about that. The other thing is this political situation of you're told that there's the unemployment's going up. What am I going to do? I'm 20. I'm you know going to finish college. I'm going to be in debt. All of these problems come together, 
And I, once again, my big complaint, tell me the solution. I mean, here, we, I, here I am complaining about it, but, you know, I don't know what to do, but I would sure like for someone who had some power and some brain to help us to, to say, here's my proposition. This is what it is. But you know what? In the elections in the United States, as far as I've seen, I have never seen any platform that made any sense, that made any actual uh, they're too afraid to actually say anything. I don't know what it's like in the UK. You can tell us. Are there any actual propositions saying, hey, this is what we do to increase, to, to improve the economy or, or, or reduce uh, unemployment? Does anybody have any ideas? Okay. To, to understand my answer to this, you have to understand that there are various fundamental differences mm-hmm. between the political system in the US and the political system in the UK. The biggest difference is we do not elect the prime minister. Right. We don't choose which of our um, elected officials is going to be prime minister. We don't elect the personality. The head of state is the queen still, even though she's pretty much a sock puppet. The head of state is still the queen. We elect our local representative only and nothing else. The party that is in power then selects their prime minister. Usually they've selected the guy long before the election start, but the party that the leader of that party is a person who then goes to the queen at the end of the election when the results are in to ask for permission to set up the government. And because of that, um, our political parties still have to publish a manifesto. And that uh-huh. manifesto has to make sense. It has to answer all the questions because otherwise the press will tear them apart in terms of, well, you've promised this. How are you going to pay for it? I like that. So we still have that thing happening over here that prevents, to an extent, the election of a personality rather than Suits. a platform. Yeah. I prefer, to be honest with you, I prefer the, the parliamentary sy- uh, system over what we have right now. Well, the parliamentary system we have is still, it still has its archaic touches. I mean, we have the House of Commons and the House of Lords. Those names aren't an accident. Yeah. The House of Lords um, still has lifelong peerages, lifelong members who do not get elected. The House of Lords is not an elected body. As and they're vested the interests pretty Lords much too, exists, right? Yeah. And the House of Lords exists to make sure the House of Commons doesn't do anything stupid. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Ayub, did you, see the, did you see the BBC? I think it was BBC or maybe it was Independent, but uh, the show Secret State, which was a miniseries in about five uh, episodes? No, I didn't see that. Because I was going to recommend it. We usually make some recommendations at the end, and I did watch it. I don't watch too many British series, but we wa- my wife and I watched that because it, we could understand the accents. Well, she could. I don't have too much of a problem. Wait a minute. Was that the one? Was that was Benedict Cumberbatch in that? No, it was... Um, I'm wondering... I can't remember his name now. Great, great British actor. I, I just can't... Uh, I'll, I'll look it up in a second. But I wanted to make a recommendation, but I also wanted to ask if you, if you thought it was accurate. It talks about a horrible chemical spill kind of accident that happens, and it, it goes through the entire political process. I'm going to look it up while you guys are talking here, if I can. But it was I, very entertaining. Um, and very good, um, and I'll find at least the name of the actor. There's, there's well, nothing like watching Q and A. <laughs> I love, like, I, I usually watch it in Canada. I watch a Canadian Q and A, but you know, it's something. And it's, 
I would rather watch that than Dancing with the Stars, even if they kind of are like I, really. I actually. Do you watch it? Yeah, I mean, I I love. I I don't like. I, I haven't seen it to be honest, but one of the things I really love watching, um, whenever I get a chance, whenever I'm actually at home at the time, is um, we do have a Parliament channel. We have television cameras and everything in Parliament. We have. And you get to watch Prime Minister's Question Time, which yeah. is the part of the day where the Prime Minister gets asked questions. And for an insight into how the government works and how it doesn't work, Prime Minister's Question Time is brilliant. Oh, do you mean would the honourable ge- would the honour would the honourable gentleman please? Is that the thing you're talking about? And everybody's and everybody, all the backbenchers oh, are yelling and hooting and hollering. Ooh, I, I've heard I that watch many it, times. I, yeah, I use the BBC iPlayer quite a bit, and I do watch sometimes the BBC <laughs> Parliament channel. And you and you'll see the yeah, you'll see the backbenchers are you know they're getting their all their nasty comments up there, and it's like I used to think how much fun would it be to see George Bush <laughs> oh, come out there and stand out there while everybody was roasting him, and it would be fun with Obama too. I you know a fair is fair. Uh, and to every day have to kind of answer. There's no political system that's perfect. I think we all no, know that. No. There, 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 there are as many issues as there are here in the United States, and there are many, and I still firmly believe that democracy is dying and the people are letting it die. It's on life support right now. That said, it is still a better system than some of the ones out there in other parts of the world right now. You mean like the ones where you get a, shot for doing nothing? Yeah, probably. Okay, I have I have a solution of sorts. Great. Uh, I don't have the power to implement it, but I do have a solution <laughs> of sorts. The first thing is spend more money on education. Here, here, communist. <laughs> the second thing, the second thing is anybody who is going up for um for election who wishes to take office needs to have some sort of test an intelligence test a common sense test something that at least if it's in the u.s at least they understand the constitution if it's in the uk at least they understand the british political system that sort of test before they go up for election to me is becoming more and more necessary every day who administers the test that would have to be an independent (laughs) body like i can i'm 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 playing contrarian here because you know sarah palin wouldn't get you know elected dog catcher in wasilla if there was a fair and just test out there but I, I don't, I don't yeah. mean to be flip on that, because uh, I like that idea. But who administers it and how? Yes. And the other thing, and this is a choice that the political parties have to make, both in the UK and in the US and in any other country that has fallen into this trap that has happened. Now, let me explain the trap first. The trap is that, at least over here in the UK and I've seen signs of it in US news as well, Um, the parties are too busy trying to break or tear the other party down. They're too busy being the opposition to actually try to build something. True here too in France. It's true. It must be true everywhere in the first world. And the only way that um, anything productive is ever going to happen 
is if the parties somehow find a middle ground and figure out a way to make it work. Stop and stop attacking each other and attack the problems. That's what I think. Yes. I always I always say to my uh, to my friends that I consider America to be 20% extreme left, 20% extreme right, and the other 60% are somewhere in the middle. They may on certain issues Maybe economically, they're a little bit more conservative. But on other social issues, say on abortion or you know, death penalty or, or gay rights and so forth, they're to the left. And I really, truly believe that it's the 60% that could find a way. But the problem is, is the noise factor from that 20% right. on the left and that 20% on the right. And the thing is, is they're both being funded. You know, you have the Koch brothers funding on the right. You have Soros uh, funding on the left. They have very vested interests in keeping those 20 and 20% of the people all, you know, like a hornet's nest. Absolutely. So what do we, what do we do then as far as being that's, the 60%? That's my solution. That's my solution is to stop i know it's not going to happen right. ever I, th- I think stop all this political funding would be number one to stop the lobbying and stop the the what they call PACs or whatever that is but i know that's not going to happen but i'm I saying that's my solution no no part of it i i, th- I think it's actually closer to 10 percent at e- either end and 80 percent in the middle yeah maybe maybe but i also see that every time the uh, um either side goes a little further to their side the other side has to go a little further away to their side yes they never tried to meet in the middle and (sighs) tony blair had a lot of flaws tony blair made a hell of a lot of mistakes tony blair was in many ways an excellent politician but in many ways he was a train wreck I say that as a longtime supporter of the Labour Party. But what he managed was getting a party that was going further and further to the extremes to start listening to what the other party was saying. And that got him elected. And what got David Cameron and his party elected? The fact that they started listening to what the left had to say. I mean, can you ever imagine a GOP-led government in the United States championing same-sex marriage. Not it wouldn't now. happen. Not it wouldn't now. happen. David Cameron, being our right-wing leader, was the biggest champion for same-sex marriage in the UK, and he was the one who got it enacted into law because even, they had to listen. I can't even imagine at this point right now in 2014 in America, I can no longer imagine something like that happening. And yet it's not that many decades ago that it was the Southern Democrats who were the segregationists. And it was actually the Republicans who were the party, not just of Lincoln freeing the slaves. It goes much deeper than that, but they actually disagreed with the Southern Democrats on many social issues Somehow, and after the turmoil of the 50s and the 60s, when everything was shaken out, it got reversed. And I think a lot of you, probably a lot of younger people today don't realize that it's it's just been probably in their parents' time that the real true bad guys in America when it came to civil rights were Southern Democrats. Um, That's not very many years ago. Uh, They can't know that because there's no app for that. I mean, a friend of mine... Yeah. No, a, f- a friend of mine once suggested that um, uh, politicians need to wear the logos of the companies that are supporting them. Oh, yeah. Ah. I've heard yeah. that before, too. I've heard that before, like, like, too. 
<laughs> yeah, like soccer kits. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, yeah, before, or the Formula we... One racing guys who have the long list of badges. Exactly. Oh, you know, exactly. I yeah, agree. You see Monsanto written across. You know, don't get me going on that. That'd I be just wish they would. Show. I just wish they would stop that. No. Well, you know, before before we go, um, give us a, a recommendation of something, something you're reading or something you're listening to or something that moves you. Um, a re- recommendation. I have many things to recommend at the moment. Of course, they're all fiction because uh, unless it's news, I read exclusively fiction. Um, to recommend a series of books for anybody who's into fantasy fiction especially, I recommend um, the uh, Furies series by Jim Butcher, more famous for writing the Dresden Files, yeah. but he wrote this uh, series of books uh, that is um, regular, more normal epic fantasy, and they are brilliant. They are very, very good. There are also uh, quite an interesting treatise on power and the social responsibilities of power. Can you flip a link into the chat uh, so that so I can... I recommend it for that. Put, throw a link up when when, uh, when I'm uh, talking. Yeah. I'll let you keep going, but while I'm, while I'm thinking. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to recommend that is, for me, I think is a fantastic television show, and everybody should be watching this. It's a show that is surprisingly on Fox uh, called Almost Human. I, I've been debating whether I wanted to give that a shot into my viewing schedule or not. I it's should good. try it. I like it. It is. It is. It is truly entertaining. Uh, the chemistry between the two main actors is fantastic, and it is. It's in a way what Blade Runner was supposed to be in terms okay. of this is what's happening in the near future. This is what could happen in the near future. Why don't we talk about it? Um, so for, for many of the issues that it, it covers, a lot of it is near future type technologies that we're thinking about. Well, uh, uh, that makes yeah. it very interesting. I agree. That's well, a great, I like that series a lot. And, uh, so I don't need a, a new link for that. I'll, I'll, uh, insert that. Well, since I normally, uh, kind of like what Randy likes, I'm going to, now that both of you have said that I'm going to have to try it. I was on the fence. I already have so many TV shows that I watch that I'm, I'm, I'm trying desperately to kind of – that's one of the reasons I've started watching a lot of British shows and a lot of like the HBO series because they have a finite amount of time. They're six episodes. They're eight episodes. They're 12, and then they're done. And they may be in more seasons, but they're done until next year. I can move on to another thing. And Have you, have you seen a TV show called um, – I think it was called MI5 in the U.S.? My favorite show in the last 20 years. <laughs> Spooks. 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 Yeah, they're not allowed. Fantastic. Okay. They're not allowed to use the name Spooks for the TV show in the U.S. because it would offend people. So the, on Netflix and wherever it's sold in the U.S., it's called MI5. But I recommend it all the time on social media. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant series. If you like espionage and you like government conspiracy and terrorism and if you like programming like that to watch shows like MI5 slash Spooks is absolutely brilliant. I was heartbroken when it ended. Yeah, yeah, me too. I keep hoping they resurrect it. They did a, a bit of a spin-off, but it just didn't work. No, it was pretty lame. Uh, one recommendation I was going to give, to, well, two actually. So in the spirit of this ending up as a very political podcast, sorry, Randy, but I had a lot of fun with that today. Um <laughs> 
and I hope that AU will come back again so we can do even more. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as a re- my, one of my recommends today is going to be probably my favorite political person of all time, Thomas Paine. Common sense. Yes. I, to me, it doesn't. To me, it's to, from my political views. Start at Thomas Paine and work out from there. So common sense is really, in my opinion, is the real foundation of the revolution, and it's brilliant reading 200 and some odd years later. So I read it in high school, one, so I think I'll pass. Oh, I love I love reading. <laughs> I, I love reading letters and uh, speeches and books written by uh, Thomas Jefferson. Actually, I think yes, he was yes. a wonderful politician. Yes, by, he was. By the absolutely. way, by the way, do you think that in the United States people still read? Com- I mean, we did read it in high school. I'll bet that they don't even read stuff like that anymore. That's why I'm mentioning it. Not that I expect any 18-year-olds to be listening to this because they're probably like, uh, it's politics. Well, they're looking for something else. Um, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> uh, come on, you're not playing video games on here? Um, but it's important to me. And, and my other recommendation, completely different. It's my wife and I, it's our favorite show right now. It's Even though it's a couple of years old and Ayub, it's from your neck of the woods. Miranda by Miranda Hart. She is like the UK version of Carol Burnett. She is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Physical comedy, Miranda Hart. She's about seven foot eight. You know, she's wonderful. And and, uh, uh, Hulu Plus is showing the first two seasons of Miranda right now. The third one, I guess, was just recently in the UK. And so I'm going to have to, I have to wait for it to come out or find it where I can find it. Um, she she takes my love of Carol Burnett back in the 70s and late 60s and 70s when on Saturday nights with Carol Burnett and you know Harvey Corman and Tim Conway and that whole ensemble well she has her own little ensemble there and it's absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant she is amazing I loved Miranda. I loved Carol Burnett and I just saw her on a Law and Order not that long ago she's still working and she's she did a brilliant show. it wasn't comedy at all but she's she's an amazing actress all right my recommendation is going to be way shorter than everybody else's because I already said Secret State the actor was Gabriel Byrne he was just brilliant in this the guy has got charisma to resell a thousand times he's amazing and uh, Secret State I'll put a link into the IMDb for what that's worth and uh, you can go from there it's just okay. a five. It's five episodes, by the way. So it doesn't even. You don't even have to invest a lot of time in it. I would love to hear back from you, Ayub, to find out if it's accurate, though, because it's very into political, and it was hard for us to understand in in some ways. But I think we kind of got it. A lot of manipulation. I will have a look. I will have a look for it. But um, just as a final recommendation, just in case there's anybody out there who hasn't seen it, go watch Blackadder. <laughs> oh sure. yes oh my god yes that's great that's awesome love 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 it oh <laughs> you just get lost in that and all of a sudden it's like the rest of the world just doesn't matter for a little while because it's just so damn funny yeah get oh off twitter god. and watch black adder yes and yes, then when you get off get off all social media and when you've had your fill of all that you go to leave the bottle podcast.com and catch up with what we've been doing or follow leave underbar the bottle on twitter or, or Google Plus, there's a Leave the Bottle page. Uh, you can follow AU, but he doesn't need any more followers. He's got millions and millions of people following him already. <laughs> and, no, you can also, no. and you can also stream uh, You can stream this episode and all our past episodes at uh, SoundCloud, at iTunes, and Stitcher. And leave reviews and tell me that I'm a commie bastard and you hate me. And that's okay, too. You know, I'll still love you. That's all right. Ayub, can you come back again, bro? Because that was that was a lot of it's fun. It's fun. 
I would be glad to come back. It's definitely a lot of fun. Awesome. Great. Great to have you. So we'll see you guys next week or some other time. Right. Yeah, next some year. other time. I don't know. Take care. 